Okay, we are looking at uh, the third lesson in the Christian Formation series. Of course, our key verse or jump-off point is Galatians 4.19, where Paul says that he is anguishing in childbirth with the Galatians until Christ is fully formed in them. And uh, this whole series is about having the life of Christ fully formed in us or being disciples or followers of Jesus. So in lesson, learn, uh, lesson one, we learned that um, Christ has to be revealed to us. He must live in us before we can even begin to have him formed in us. So that was just kind of a basic foundational piece. In lesson two, uh, we began discussing what Christ being formed in us really looks like. And we talked about the fact that he must permeate our heart and saturate our inner being completely. And at the end of the second session, we talked about how we can guard our hearts and abide in Christ so that he can fully be formed in us. The great commandment when Jesus was asked um, by the rabbi what the greatest commandment was, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and great commandment. And he said, the second is likened to that, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus, when he said that, talked about loving God with all of our hearts, which we discussed in lesson two, but also with all of your mind. So I want to talk about today, for Christ to be fully formed in us, we must have the mind of Christ. And I want to talk about what having the mind of Christ really looks like. Uh, there are a couple of scriptures that, that um, immediately come to the fore when we talk about the mind of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.16, um, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And then in Philippians 2, uh, probably the more familiar verse, Paul says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So one of the things I think it's good for us to do, and maybe we can sit around and discuss it in a group or think about it ourselves, but to reflect on what does it mean to have the mind of Christ. Uh, here is my definition for the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ means we look at life from our Savior's point of view, having his values and desires always in mind. It means to think God's thoughts and not to think as the world thinks. It is a shared perspective of humility, compassion, and dependence on God. So let's talk about each of those pieces. What perspective does Christ have? When we talk about having the perspective of Christ, what is his perspective? First of all, it is a desire to bring glory to God. Jesus in John 17 um, said to the Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And in John 12, he's speaking about his own death and he says a corn of wheat has to fall into the ground and die. And if it doesn't, it abides alone. But when it does, it brings forth much fruit. And at the end of that text, Jesus says, my soul is now troubled. What shall I say? Father, glorify, but he, he, before that, he says, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came in this hour. And then his prayer is this, Father, glorify thy name. And of course, God responds from heaven and says, I both glorified it and I will glorify it again. 
what is important is that Jesus had no desire to be seen by others. He wanted the kingdom of God to advance, and uh, he wanted the Father to be glorified. So to have the perspective and the mind of Jesus is to say, I want the kingdom of God to advance whether I'm seen or not. Whether I'm noticed or not, I want the kingdom of God to advance. It's being it's not being bent out of shape if things don't go the way we want. Uh, that's the attitude that Jesus had. That's the attitude that Paul had. You remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, hey, we saw somebody uh, casting out demons and uh, they weren't part of our group. And Jesus said to them, leave them alone uh, because he who is not against us is for us. And then Paul in Philippians chapter 3 um and we get the sense that probably somebody came to him and said, hey, there's somebody out there preaching and they're not doing it like you are doing it. And Paul said, some people preach Christ from envy and strife and some do it from goodwill. But he goes on to say, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice and I will always rejoice. In other words, Paul said, I don't care who gets the credit I don't even really care about what their motivation may have been as long as Jesus Christ is preached. So we have to have that perspective of, I don't want to be seen, but I want the kingdom of God to advance. And that's been difficult for me, even in ministry. I remember a time or two that someone else was doing really well in their ministry and they were getting all the kudos. And I found myself being a little frustrated with that. And and um, the Holy Spirit really had to check me and I had to go and talk to them and even apologize for um, my attitude. And so we need to be very careful if we're going to have the mind of Christ that, that our perspective is we want the kingdom to advance. Secondly, um, to have the mind of Christ is to have a longing to see sinners saved. Jesus said in Luke 19, and this is in the story of Zacchaeus, he said, today salvation has come to this house. And then he goes on to say, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. How important is that to you? Do you think about it when you see the crowds of people around you? Hey, people need to come to Christ. Do you have a longing to see them saved? That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Thirdly, it's a humility that is always, uh, that is willing always to obey and never claims its rights as an excuse for disobedience. When Jesus says in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, he describes Christ as being equal with God. Um, he was God, and yet he did not claim equality with God, something that he wanted to hold on to or cling to, but instead he laid down his rights, he made himself of no reputation, he became a servant, and he died a death on the cross. Jesus could have said, listen, I'm the son of God. Uh, you, you can't do this to me. You don't have the right to do that to me because I'm God. But instead, he laid those rights down so that he could serve others. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ, not saying, I have the right to do this and you can't tell me what to do and I'll do whatever I want because I have liberty and I can, be in, I can indulge in this and indulge in this because I have the right to. But the mind of Christ says, I'm willing to lay down my rights so that others can be blessed and, uh, and the kingdom of God can expand. expand. Fourthly, to have the mind of Christ is to have a compassionate heart that responds in action. When Jesus in Matthew 9 saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. And um, again, are we moved with compassion when we see people lost? I've been at ball games before 
in big stadiums where there are thousands of people. And, and I've sensed myself thinking, there's a lot of lost people here. Does God do that with you? Do you have that stirring in your heart that has compassion for the lost? It's part of what it means to have the mind of Christ. And then number five, a prayerful dependence on God. Jesus, think about this, the Son of God felt like it was important for him to get away at times and to go to withdraw into the wilderness. In Luke 5, 15 and 16, he did that to pray because he knew that to accomplish what the Father had called him to do, he had to be dependent upon God. And then finally, it's to place others before yourself. Um, Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. So when you think about what that looks like, and we've kind of defined it quickly, how do we develop that mindset? How do we develop that attitude? There's just a few things I want to mention real quickly. First of all, to develop the mind of Christ, we have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. No one knows the mind of Christ better than the Holy Spirit. He knows the things of God. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, and he will convict you, he will nudge you, he will speak to you, and um, he can lead you into having the mind of Christ but you have to develop a relationship with him so that he can talk to you. Secondly, to develop the mind of Christ, you need to bathe yourself in the truth of God's word. Romans 12 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, The world wants to shape our minds, But if we will bathe ourselves in God's word, our minds can be renewed and we can begin thinking like Jesus. And in Ephesians 5.25, Paul talks about being washed by the cleansing of God's word. When we bathe ourselves in God's word, it shapes our thinking, it shapes our hearts, it shapes our minds, it develops the mind of Christ in us. And then finally, to develop the mind of Christ, you need to choose your friends carefully. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And then in Proverbs 13, 14, The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. If you want to have the mind of Christ developed in you, you need to choose your friends carefully. Don't, Don't become close friends with the ungodly. Don't become close friends with the negative and the critical. Don't become close friends with the worldly. Don't become close friends with the faithless. Now, I'm not talking about people that you're trying to win to Christ, and we all need to have relationships with unsaved people or we're never going to win the world. But don't let the people that shape your mind, uh, the people that you really listen to, the people you turn to, don't let them be ungodly and negative and critical and worldly and faithless. Choose your friends carefully especially those people that are going to pour into your life. So in conclusion, to have Christ formed in me, I must guard my heart, fill it with the things of God, but I must also develop the mind of Christ, to think like him, to love like him, to have compassion like him, and to care for the lost like him. And I develop the mind of Christ by getting to know the Holy Spirit, immersing myself in God's word, and developing relationships with godly people who speak wise uplifting and edifying words to me.